Hello there. You are listening to the MCC Sunday Sermon. We are so glad you could join us. We pray that this message will encourage you, build your faith on your journey with God. Enjoy. So um, it's great to be in church this morning and great to be able to speak on Pentecost Sunday because what an incredible day that we represent uh, today. So day is a birthing of the church. Now, I think that is a great reason to celebrate. Let's celebrate that. Woo! Yeah. Woo! Like, we are here because of this day 2,000 odd years ago. So I want to talk this morning about making those slight course corrections. You know, we can easily get off track. I remember many, many years ago when myself and Noel, we spent one year, we were living in England, we spent one year in Sydney. And in that time, we had some great friends that wanted to show us the city. So we get in their car and they take us around all the sites. And by, we were still there in the evening and they took us up to this lookout point, which was across from the city. And we were looking out over the city, at all the lights. It was beautiful. But Noel needed to go to the toilet. And of course, there were no public loos. So he goes off and disappears into the bush. <coughs> Meanwhile... Another car comes and parks right next to us, and it's exactly the same car and exactly the same color. And all you could see was Noel, because he'd got these nice bright white trainers on, disappear off into the bush. A few minutes later, we see the same white trainers start making his way back and gets into the back of the car next to us. Now, of course, this is a couple's spot, and couples were doing what couples do. <laughs> So Noel gets in the back of the car and realizes he'd made a course, he'd, he'd gone off course. He says, as you were, and off he gets out of the car and gets back in our car. Sometimes we go off track and we don't realize it. Anyone remember the old paper maps? Particularly if they were in a book, always, always your destination was in the crack, wasn't it? And you'd never be able to find your way. You know, American Air Force pilots will tell you that one degree off course will take you 28 meters per mile. So if you flew from New York to Los Angeles, if you were just one degree off course, you would be 64 kilometers into the Pacific Ocean. So sometimes we make slight adjustments. Sometimes we make adjustments in our life based on what's trending, based on the opinions of others. Maybe we've had some experience and we correct ourselves, or we feel hurt or disappointed, and our values correct accordingly. So today, I want to talk about how we can wander out of alignment, out of alignment with our life, with our purpose, but most of all, out of alignment with God. So the title of my message is called Wandering Ways. You know, the Bible, right from Genesis through to Revelations, is about one thing. If I could put it down to one word, it would be this, restoration. Restoring our relationship with God. And it constantly goes through this yo-yo relationship of we're in relationship, then we're not in relationship. Now we're in relationship, and we're not. And the Bible is this constant yo-yo of how we separate from God, and he corrects us to bring us back into line. You know, the Old Testament, we see this relationship with God the Father, and we realize that that is God with us. Then the Gospels come and Jesus comes, and that's God 
in us because we receive Christ as our personal saviour. Then we get to the book of Acts and we get to the Holy Spirit arrives and that's God at work through us. And finally, we get to Revelation where it's us united with God. It's this constant journey of restoration. See, the Holy Spirit was a missing piece. He was the third part of the Trinity. This was when God said, you can have all of me. I'm giving you everything. We are going all in. So are we all in with God? Um, I want to look at Luke chapter 15 today. So if you've got your Bibles, this whole chapter talks about this whole thing of lost and found. Lost relationship, find relationship. We talk about lost sheep and Jesus goes out and finds the sheep. The shepherd finds the sheep. There's a lost coin. And finally, we're at the lost son. Interestingly, this morning, I actually lost a button. As if that was a sign. And then thanks to Cain, I found it again. So <laughs> that was a good sign for this morning. But the one key thing about all of those is that there's always a great celebration when whatever was lost has been found again. Don't we know that God celebrates us? when he finds relationship with us again. It is the greatest celebration. It is the greatest party that you would ever want to be involved in. You know, I, if we can read Luke chapter 15, this is the story of the lost son, and this is the one I want to focus on the most. So it says, And then he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all time, sorry, but when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he was sent into the fields to feed the swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, but no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish in hunger? I will arise, go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to the father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring out the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. And they began to be merry. This is a beautiful scene. This is a parable that is really about the father's love for his son. You know, we can wander away. We can go about life and do our own thing. And we can sometimes feel that that has disconnected us from the father. But nothing can ever separate us from God's love. He loves us. We are his children. He is our father. And he welcomes us back with open arms. Romans 8.38 says this, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, 
nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, no height, no depth, nor any created thing shall ever separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a reason to celebrate? But that's not, this is the sun I'm not going to focus on this morning. I want to focus on the next part of this parable, the older son. And we can read about him in Luke 15, 25. It says this, Now the older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. So we called to one of the servants, and he asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has been received safe and sound, your father's killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these things many years I've been serving you. I've transgressed your commandments. It means I've done everything you've said at any time. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might be merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, who's devoured his livelihood with harlots, you've killed the fatted calf for him? And he said to him, Son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost, and now he's found. The son had been faithful. He'd done everything he'd been commanded, everything that was expected of him. He was diligent. He worked hard. But suddenly, he got a bad attitude. He saw unfairness. You'd have thought, as soon as he'd heard that his brother was back, He'd have gone running. He'd have gone running to greet him. You know, they didn't have social media back in those days. There would have been no pictures of him sort of in the pig pen going, hashtag, you know, saying pigs for di- uh, pork for dinner tonight, hashtag not blessed. You know, none of that. He would have been a missing person. They wouldn't have had news of what had happened to him. Noel and I have been watching this documentary about Maddie McCann. I don't know if you're aware of that missing child. She's probably the most well-documented missing child case in the world. Could you imagine if she turned up now? Everybody would want to know what happened. But why did the older brother not want to know? Because his heart had wandered away from his father's business. And he was the son that had remained in the house. Perhaps the lost son is not the one that wandered away. Perhaps the lost son is the one that remained. You see, the lost son, the, the, sorry, the prodigal son, the one that left, his ways were obvious. But the son in the house, his ways were subtle. The younger son saw his sin and repented. But the older son saw injustice and retreated. The older brother had lost respect for the younger brother, but done nothing about it. It led to bitterness, resentment, and eventually he actually lost love for his brother. But all of this was happening in silence and while he remained in the father's house. It's not obvious sometimes when we get out of alignment with the heart of God. We are just one degree off course. Romans 12, 15 says this, Rejoice with those who rejoice. 
Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. We need to rejoice with what our Father rejoices over. And sometimes we come out of alignment with that. We may have served in our church. We may have tithed faithfully. We have, may have been diligent and do everything that is expected of us. But our heart may have wandered. And it can be through offense. It can be through disappointment. It could be through an objection of the way something is done. Just one degree off course. So has your heart wandered this morning? Sometimes we don't know the signs, and these are the signs of a wandering heart. The first one is anger. So verse 27. So I'm probably going a bit fast for the slides. But verse 27 says this. And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Anger was the first sign that the brother's heart had wandered. That he, that he was no longer in perfect alignment, and nobody knew it. And probably even he didn't know it. It's not until somebody comes along and triggers it. And that's going to happen to all of us. There's going to be someone or something that will trigger that emotion and we suddenly realize, I'm out of alignment. So who's pushing your buttons? <laughs> you know, my brother, he's a wonderful man, great man of God. He's got five kids and they're all pretty close together in age. And when they were young, they're all grown up and left the house now, but when they were young, it was chaos in his house. But he has this God-given divine gift to be able to shut everything out. And he just wouldn't notice when the kids were screaming and nappies were flying and, you know, they're asking and making their demands and the kids are all fighting. He's just sat there reading his paper, much to the annoyance of his wife, I have to say. And like we're thinking, is this not bothering you? Are you not even hearing it? It's like he had, you know, he'd gone deaf for a moment until all of a sudden... Down would fly the paper, up he'd stand, he'd go, right! And then all the kids would just be like shocked. And it's that first sign that dad's actually annoyed. There was no indication up to that point that he was annoyed. And sometimes we can be like that, can't we? We can be harboring things and not really realize. You know, maybe someone's come along to challenge you. Maybe someone younger. Maybe someone that actually might do a better job than you can come along and challenge you. Maybe someone's asked you to change the way you do something. These things can all just take us one way off course and take us away from the Father. Ephesians 34, sorry, Ephesians 4.31 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and karma and slander be put away from you, along with all malice, but be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. The second way we can wander is comparison. Verse 29 says this, so he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I've been serving you. I've never transgressed your commandments at any time. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might be made merry with my friends and you killed the fatted calf for him. See, when our heart is separated from the father, we actually look for unfairness and we can see it if we look. Things can distort and appear unfair, and we can convince ourselves that it is absolutely justified. 
the older brother was actually treated more favorably than the younger brother. Verse 31, there isn't a slide for this, but it says, Sir, the father goes to the son, he says, son, you are always with me. All that I have is yours already. The fatted calf was not killed for the younger son. It was killed because of the younger son. They were all offered an equal share. You know, it's customary in Jewish time that the older son would actually get two-thirds of the family inheritance and the younger son would get one-third. And verse 12 of this scripture actually says this. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall me. So he divided to them his livelihood. The older son had already received his inheritance, which was double what his younger son had got. So he was already treated favorably. Now, I sometimes think of comparison and I think of the gym. Now, some of you I know join the gym next door. I'm part of the gym. And if ever you're going to see comparison, it's in the gym. And if ever you're going to see men with their guns out, it's in the gym. It's the only time men should ever wear sleeveless shirts, should I say. And it should come with a public health warning. Because the competition I see in there. And just, by the way, Cooper, actually you do have guns. Yeah! <laughs> But you can still work harder. No. <laughs> but the competition you see, because all the racks are lined up and you're all lined up in a row and you're putting the weights yourself on the bar and you can see the guys with the guns out looking next, right? He's pushing 100 kilos. Right, I'm going to add a few extra weights on my... And they really shouldn't be, should they? They're like straining, busting a hernia just to look good, you know? And there's me barely pushing 40 kilos. And even many of the women are way above me. But reality check, I'm 20 years older than most of them. I'm female, and I'm just starting out. So to compare myself with them would be crazy. It's unrealistic to do that. And we're often unrealistic in our comparisons, aren't we? Now, a quote from Oscar Wilde says this, life is never fair, and perhaps it's a good thing for most of us that it is not. I would not be pushing 100 kilos, that is for sure. I would probably die. <laughs> Another quote is, the only thing that makes life unfair is the delusion that it should be. Yeah. So unfairness doesn't make it the truth. Just because we see something that is unfair doesn't mean it's the truth. Third thing, third way that we go, of course, is stubbornness. Verse 28 says... But he was angry, would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. He was being stubborn. I feel self, I'm indignant. I'm not going to go in there and join that celebration. You know, the Bible refers to stubbornness as stiff-necked people. I love that. If ever you see a stubborn child, you know, their neck goes all stiff. Probably stubborn adults too, actually. <laughs> and I, I remember one time that my best friend was getting married. Now, we promised each other when we were young that we would be each other's chief bridesmaid. She was mine at my wedding. And it came to her wedding. I'd actually spent that year in Australia and come home, and our relationship had kind of separated a little bit. We were still friends, but not as close as we were. When it came to her wedding, she didn't even invite me to be a bridesmaid. 
And I was, oh, exactly. Thank you, Leah. <laughs> and I remember thinking, this is just not fair. You've been my bridesmaid. I've fulfilled my part of the commitment, but you didn't fulfill, you, fulfill yours. Anyway, a few months later, I think she started getting guilty about it. And a few months later, she finally sent me the invitation. But by then, my nose had been so far out of joint that I refused. And I said no. And I didn't even attend her wedding. We were away, but I didn't attend her wedding. <laughs> um, and I was being stubborn because my nose was out of joint. Jeremiah 5.23 says this, but these people have stubborn and rebellious hearts. They have turned aside and gone away. My stubbornness made me miss out. Now it said the father pleaded with the older son to come and join the celebration. You notice it never said he pleaded with the younger son when he was leaving the home. Never pleaded with him, only pleaded with the older son. And I think that is because it was in that moment the father realized that actually the older son is the one that he's lost. Because his heart makes me emotional because his heart was away from him. And he'd been home all along. And the older son had become stubborn and self-righteous. You know, this parable is actually, Jesus talks about, it's, it's an analogy of the Pharisees' relationship. And I often think, if we, were around, if we were alive in the time of Jesus, who would we have been? Would we have been a tax collector? Would we have been a disciple? Would we have been a Samaritan? Or perhaps we would have been a Pharisee. You know, they were the religious people. They were the people that were self-righteous and believed in the law. That was the way that it was. But yet they missed out on what the coming joy and who Jesus was. It had blinded them because of their self-righteousness. You know, our church has been through many, many changes. And with that, we have to change. We have to change with the times. The Pharisees did not change with the times. And I want to ask, how are you tra tracking with the changes that we're making. How are you going with that? Do you stand in the seat of a disciple or in the seat of a Pharisee? Big question to ask. You know, today we do celebrate the day of Pentecost. And I imagine how it would have felt for the 120 that were in that upper room. They were given a promise that something amazing was coming. But they never didn't know what it was. They had no concept at all of what was coming. They just knew something was. So they stayed and they waited in that room, prepared to embrace something new. Now imagine the scene, this rushing wind suddenly comes. Now if you've ever heard wind howling around a house, it's scary. Like, it's quite freaky. And then suddenly tongues of fire appear on people's heads. I mean, how out there is that? It's like some weird, freaky sci-fi movie. Noel loves those. So you probably would have been okay with it. But for most people, it was probably quite a frightening thing. So would you have been among the 120 sat in that room waiting for something new you didn't know what it looked like? Would you have been one of them? Or would you have missed out? Fourth way that we can get off track is through jealousy. Verse 30 says this, But as soon as a son of yours came who has devoured your livelihoods with harlots. You killed the fatted calf for him. He said, this son of yours, he couldn't even call him his brother. 
He had disowned him. He said, he's your, he's your son. He's nothing to do with me. Now, in fairness, the older son, he was a diligent one, but probably had been feeding that calf. You know, he'd probably been out there smelling roast beef or smelling roast meat, like imagining the smell on a barbecue. I'm one day going to get to eat this. <laughs> I'm going to feed it more because I know I'm going to be a part of this. So he was probably imagining what would happen to that calf and then was disappointed when it didn't go the way he thought it would go. See, jealousy destroy. sorry, the father knew that jealousy would destroy his son. And that's why he pleaded with him to come, be a part of this. You know, we've got three dogs. Yes, we just bought a new dog. And whenever I pull the chicken out, I've got three little faces looking at me. I have to divide that chicken in equal portion because the dogs will know if they're not getting their fair share. Although the problem is, I've only got two hands and three dogs. So inevitably, one of them will get theirs just a little bit later, but they don't know that. And so you can see what happens to a dog when two other dogs are getting and they're not. They get angry. They start growling. They start trying to snatch off someone else. We lose our perspective when we get jealous. We no longer see what is important. We only see what is unfair. Matthew 7 says this, Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look at the plank that, and not look at the plank that's in your own eye? Hypocrite. First remove the plank in your own eye, and then you will clearly see to remove the speck in your brother's eye. Fifth way we can get off track is spiritual blindness. Um, how am I doing for time? Am I out of time? <laughs> um, yeah, verse 31 says this, and he said to him, son, you are always with me. All that I have is yours. It is right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead, and now he is alive. He was lost, and now he's found. The brother was only thinking of himself, and he wasn't looking at the obvious. The obvious was, this is a life or death situation. This isn't about you. There's more at stake here than our ego. This is about our brother's salvation. And we can lose sight of the father's business when, we, when, it's, ser when it's not serving our needs or it doesn't fit our ethics. We can sometimes become spiritually blind. He couldn't see what he was gaining. He could only see what he was losing. Galatians says this, for I am now seeking, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man or am I still trying to please man? I would not be a servant of Christ. The father's favor was more value to, valuable to the older son than his love for his father. And the truth is, he actually already had it. It was unsaid, and it was written. Okay, final thing then is exclusion. Verse 27 says, and he wouldn't go in. He was a son of the house, but bitterness and envy excluded him from walking in. 
The celebration in this parable really represents our reward of salvation. It represents our alignment with heaven, our relationship with God. Um, If you watched the coronation, you would have seen Prince Harry walking in on his own. This is that exact scenario. Their whole life they'd been waiting for the one day their dad was going to be king. And uh, Harry's jealousy and envy meant that he was no longer part of that celebration. His ways have wandered and has meant that he has not been a part of enjoying the fatted calf. I want to say this morning that you have an invitation. It's in your hand. What are you going to do with it? Are we going to correct some things that are maybe going on in our life this morning so that our heart can be reunited with the Father? Two brothers and only one got the reward. It's not the one with the wayward ways, but the one with the wayward heart. How is your heart this morning? Is it in alignment with the Father? Are you going to be part of the homecoming? Are you going to be part of the celebration that's waiting for you? You know, I really believe that we are in a time and a season where the prodigals are returning. And if you're watching some like of the Hollywood A-listers that are finally coming out and speaking out about their faith, there's a Jim Carrey meme going around, which is so profound of how he talks about his suffering has led him to Christ. So many. I could list them all off. But you, look, you watch it. The prodigals are returning. But actually the prodigals are in this room right now. God is preparing his house for the reward that is to come. Dan has said, this is the smallest our church is ever going to be. It's not about numbers. It's about creating a space where the, God, can, God can move and people can be restored to the heart of the Father. Isn't that what we're about? Isn't that why we're here? Let's not lose the main thing. Let's put aside whatever it is that we feel, things that don't fit into place, things that you know, are confusing to us or, or don't go the way we thought they would go. Let's be about our Father's business. And that is about that everyone would accept the invitation to the Father's house. Come into alignment with the Father's heart. I think of the 120 waiting in that upper room. That's like us right now. We are awaiting a promise of something amazing. Are you going to remain? Are you going to believe that that's what's coming? That God has made that promise? Not just over our church, but over the church. We are going to see the greatest revival this world has ever seen. There's going to be the greatest increase in numbers this world has ever seen. The world is, the world is dying, but Jesus is alive. We might not know what that looks like, 
But it's coming. Whether you're in the room or you're not. Yeah? So are you going to be part of the 120? Psalm 139 says this, Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there's any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. Yeah, this is my prayer for us this morning. Actually, the Holy Spirit does his work amongst us and searches our heart. So I just... I know the band are going to play. And maybe we can just stand to our feet right now. And just get in an atmosphere of asking the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Yeah. There were two sons in this scenario. One left the house, separated from his father, and had wayward ways. And maybe you connect with that son. Maybe you know that you haven't been living your life the way that you should be. Maybe it hasn't worked out for you. Maybe you've been making your own decisions, but you feel the Father is calling you to his house. You've got an invitation in your hands this morning to be united with the Father. He wants you to be in that celebration. If that's you this morning and you know, I need to accept Jesus. I need Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I've gone my own way. I've done it for too long. It's time. If that's you this morning, I don't want to embarrass you and every eye can be closed in this room, but if that is you, you just indicate to me that this is a decision you want to make. Thank you. Is there anyone else? This isn't about you showing me. This is about you declaring to God, yeah, it's my time. I'm coming home. Thank you, God. Thank you. I'm going to pray, and I would ask you all to pray with me. Just follow on. Father God, I thank you that you love me. And I thank you that you died to save me. And today I'm coming home. I'm turning my life around I'm turning away from I'm turning away from my old life and accepting a new life in you I'm coming home in Jesus name Amen Thank you once again for joining us feel free to contact us on our Facebook our website and jump on our Instagram at mcc.church Also, make sure to rate and review as well as share. Finally, from all the team at MCC, have a blessed day and until next time, bless you.